Um, well, good morning. I'm in a um, very reflective state. This last week, I don't know if it's just because it's the beginning of the year, we're getting so much started, like, and you're, if you feel like your feet are, are spinning, trying to get traction and, and uh, trying, trying to get momentum through the year, I've felt like that. Um, I, there were several times this week when I was like, what day is it? Because so many I've, I've been consuming so much knowledge and prepping so many things where I feel like this last week had to have been like 15 days long. Anybody feel like that? Some of you are like, no, it felt like it was a day. It just went by too fast. Um, for me, it was, it was just a, an incredible week for me to be able to soak up. I discovered this new thing called Audible. Have you got, how many of you guys have Audible? I love it. If you don't know what Audible is, you can consume knowledge and books at a rapid pace. Uh, pace while you're doing other things. Um, so it's been like, I, maybe that's why this week has felt so long is because I've been consuming, consuming with learning how to multitask and do all that stuff. But it's all been in preparation for this new series that we're starting today called The Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God. And I'm sure many of you, if you have read your Bibles, uh, if you've read sections of the Bible or if you've done any type of Bible study, you've probably heard the term the kingdom of God. It is one of the most frequently used terms, either um, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom appears over 120 times. It's 126 times it shows up in our Bible, and it is a theme that connects the Old Testament with the New Testament. Okay? It's one of those overarching themes that you could run through from Genesis to Revelation, looking at this term, trying to discover what does this mean. That is why there is there's so much um, written, so many theologians have uh, taken on the task of trying to understand what is the kingdom of God. And for me, this, this series kind of was sparked by that that last discussion we had in Revelation where we saw the generation of the new kingdom, the, the new heaven and the new earth, as he describes it. And it got me thinking, what is the kingdom of God? So I, wanna, I want to do a little mental exercise with you guys right now, and I just want you to kind of picture, what do you picture when you think about the kingdom of God? What are the images that, that come to mind when you think about the kingdom of God. I, I think for many of us, we, we instantly go to streets of gold, right? We think of streets of gold lined with mansions that will be ours when we enter into the kingdom of God. You may be riding on a chariot, a Clydesdale horse, or driving a Mustang or Ferrari. I don't know, right? But you probably have this, this mental image of golden, of gaudy uh, architecture, of, of uh, in a very elaborate, very ornate type of setting. Many of us do, and I, I honestly think that this is part of our problem. I think part of our problem is that we have preached and we have taught that the kingdom of God is, is something for us to strive for or something for us to wait for that we will attain in our afterlife, that it is completely futuristic in setting, that when we die, we get to go to heaven and experience the kingdom of God. That's simply not true. The kingdom of God is so much more than that. The kingdom of God, 
when it is grasped, will completely blow your mind. And it is for us today, here, now, this morning. It is us for, to, us, for us to experience the, in the everyday life. I want to start with the Lord's Prayer. When, when, they ask, when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus says, this is how we ought to pray. We ought to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we pray this one more time together? In modern terms, God, our Father, you are in heaven, enthroned on, on this beautiful throne, God. And your name is to be worshipped. You are to be hallowed. You are holy. You are mighty. You are righteous. God, I pray that your kingdom would come here that your will would be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. God, I pray that you would provide for us everything that we need, the bread on our table, the food that we eat, the needs that we have, and God, forgive us. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us of all the wrongs that we have thought and done and engaged in just as we forgive those who have sinned against us, who have stolen from us, who have abused us, who have treated us with malice. God, lead us away from temptation that we would seek revenge for any of these things, that we would covet of any of our neighbor's possessions, that we would lust or commit adultery. God, deliver us from the schemes of the evil one to deceive us because it is your kingdom, God, that we are seeking. We seek to be in your kingdom, to sit at the feet of the throne of God and worship the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-gloriful God forever and ever. God, we pray that it starts today and goes with us tomorrow and throughout this week until the ends of our lives when we get to be before you face to face, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not my, but thy kingdom come. We unfortunately live in a country, not that capitalism is bad, but it's developed on the basis of greed. The more you work and the harder you achieve and the harder you strive for success, the more you will receive. You can build up your own kingdom in this country. 
It is something that this country is, is founded on. And the problem with that, if we don't keep our sights aligned with God's kingdom, we have the potential of building up my kingdom. And my life is established on my pride and my success. God says, when you pray, pray for my kingdom to come, for God's kingdom to come. That when we receive salvation and we give our lives to Christ, that it's no longer about who we are or what we can do, but it's about establishing the kingdom of God here on earth for his purposes in everything that we do. I said that these verses, uh, or that this, this theme is joined together, conjoins together the Old Testament with the New Testament. And I wanted to look at the slight difference of in the Old Testament how it's viewed. In Psalm 103, verse 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, it says, Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the rulers will worship and obey him. The establishment of the kingdom of God throughout the Old Testament is pointing forward to the significant moment when Jesus would come to earth and establish the fullness of the kingdom. That Jesus, when he came to earth, he is establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. Where we had it in part in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit would fall on people. In the Old Testament, the difference between the Holy Spirit and the Old Testament and the New Testament is that he would fall on people as he fell on Moses and as he fell on Abraham. And he would be with them for a period of time and then he would leave. And in the Old Testament, there was a seeking and a sacrificial system where they would have to seek out the Holy Spirit of God for a limited amount of time. And then he would go and he would come. As you would see throughout stories in the Old Testament and the way that he dealt with the Israelites and all the battles that they had, it, when he was upon them, they would win. They, they would have everlasting power bestowed upon them from the Almighty and Powerful God. But when he was not with them, they would lose. He would come, he would go. When Christ came to establish his kingdom on earth, it changed the whole dynamic of the Holy Spirit. He said, I am going to be with my Father, but I am going to leave you with one who will be with you always. The difference in the New Testament is that in the establishment of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ here on earth, is that now, in the receiving of the Holy Spirit, He comes and lives with us. It says He indwells within our spirit. He doesn't come and go, come and go. He is now, when you receive Christ, the establishment of the kingdom within you is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
in Christ, in the coming of Christ, the kingdom of God was established for all of eternity for us to experience here and now in part and forever in the heavens. Repent and believe the good news. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21 says, Once on being asked by this Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in our midst. The kingdom of God is in our midst. What John is saying is that this kingdom that we're speaking of, the kingdom of God, is not something that we're going to look at and say, oh, those streets of gold and those mighty mansions. It's not observable. It's not a tangible thing. What he's saying is that it is here now. The kingdom of God is more about the reign of God than the realm of God. This should change our entire perspective on the kingdom of God. Of course, God rules over all of the realm. He created us. We can see the realm of God in the beginning of creation as we start the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, and he speaks into existence all of these things. They're all under his realm. The earth, the sky, the land, the sea, all the creatures that roam upon the earth, you and I, are all in the realm of God. He is the creator God. But when the kingdom, the, re- the reference to the kingdom of God is more about the reign of God, the supremacy of God, the authority, the rulership of God. And when we start to think of the kingdom of God more as the reign of God, than the realm of God, that's when we can start to experience it here and now in submission to his authority. Secondly, the kingdom of God refers to his saving reign, not to his total providence over all things. The reason why the kingdom of God is synonymous with the kingdom of Christ is because in Christ, he establishes the saving reign of God. There is a justification that happens that was atoned for in the Old Testament through sacrificial lambs, through the whole sacrificial system. But in the sacrifice of Christ, he establishes a saving reign in the messianic deliverance an atonement for all of our sins. His reign is established through Christ's death and resurrection on the, Christ, or on the cross. And in that, he's saying this is the establishment of the kingdom of Christ. Not to dismiss or diminish any of this providence that he has over all of creation, but to establish the saving reign of of Christ in the act that he has presented for us. Thirdly, the kingdom of God is fulfilled partially in the present and will be consummated at the end of the age when Christ comes 
a second time. Now, this is a hard one to understand because we can experience the kingdom of God here on earth. I think I've spoken of this before. I call it the thin space between heaven and earth. I have, I've been fortunate enough to be caught up in the Spirit at times in my life where it has felt like this thin space between heaven and earth has become so small that it felt as if I were in the kingdom and in the presence of God. That is experiencing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. You know when those times have happened for me? This is just as a personal testimony. It's when I'm caught up completely in the things of Christ. Typically, it comes during a time of worship or prayer when I'm able to set aside everything else in my life and nothing else matters and I'm in complete submission to the King. That when, It's when I can, I'm able to say, God, you are in control of my family. You're in control of my finances. You're in control of my work situation, my relationships, my, my everything, God. And all I'm focused on right now, God, is giving you glory. Everything else submits to you. It's too infrequent for me, more than I, or less than I, I truly desire that I can have this conversation with even other believers that truly understand the closeness that God wants to have with us. I hope and pray this year that all of us have experiences with God where the thin space between heaven and earth becomes so small that you are caught up in the heavens. It is a movement towards maturity in Christ. The more we are able to surrender, the more we are able to live like slaves to Christ, to God, and surrender and abandon all else for the sake of His glory, the more we will be able to experience the closeness of God. He wants to have a closeness with you. The kingdom, he says, pray the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It is in part that we will experience the kingdom of God. Because in reality, we won't sit in front of the throne of God in the heavenly realms until we've achieved the afterlife. Until this life has passed and we get to sit fully in the presence of God. So we can achieve it in part. We can experience it in part. The kingdom of heaven can come in part here. And when we die, we get to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, the kingdom of God is what we will inherit. Lastly, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ are the same. They are the same. 
It's a synonymous term, as I said, that when we experience Christ, and you can know Christ through the reading of your word, through prayer, and through fellowship with other believers. We can know Christ in the power of his resurrection by entrenching ourselves in the word of God. Everything that you need to know about the character of Christ is written in this word. We had a, we had a good Bible study with um, some men uh, on Friday, Friday night, and we discussed the armor of God. The armor of God starts with the helmet of salvation and moves to our breastplate of righteousness our belt of truth, our shoes, and our sword. And the term that we were able to identify is that we have too many spiritual streakers. <laughs> that we tend to put on just our helmet and try to walk out the door. Think about it. We have so many believers that we believe in Jesus, we believe in the kingdom of Christ, and we put on the helmet of salvation and say, let's go. But we're not girded up for battle. I want to make this very clear. In the brethren denomination, as a brethren church, we claim to be pacifists because of our history and our engagement in the physical wars that this world has put upon us. And in the physical times of war, historically, the Brethren Church has taken a, a seat of pacifism to be able to say, I'm not going to be on one side or the other. I want to help all who come to me. But I want to be very clear that we are pacifists by, in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, we are warriors. And we are called to gird up ourselves with all of the spiritual armors of the faith to go and take a stand for Christ. We stand for Christ, not in the way of physicality, not in the way of physical combat, but in the way of fighting against the, the powers and the principalities of this realm. That when we want to issue in the kingdom of God, we want to stand in the kingdom of God as warriors contending for the faith. We contend for the faith and the kingdom of God through prayer. And I'm calling you all as guests and members of this church to engage in battle. We are called to engage in battle as warriors of Christ. To be a part of a kingdom is to be a member of the kingdom and you have a role in the kingdom of God. Your role is warrior for Christ. So gird yourselves with a helmet of salvation, a belt of truth, and a breastplate of righteousness. Take up your sword, which is the word of God, and go to battle. We are called 
go to battle. Let's pray. Worship team, if you want to come. I'm going to spend a a few minutes here in, in prayer. Holy, righteous, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. We sit in comfortable chairs inside of a building on Sunday mornings. We listen to the Word of God being spoken and proclaimed We engage in spiritual conversations. We discuss things of the the world, things of faith, things of the church. Sometimes it's too easy. Sometimes it's just too easy. Lord, I pray that you would pull us from the comfort of our lives. That we would be challenged spiritually, significantly. God, that you would call us into the dark places so that we may be a light. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to go into the hard places so that we can provide support and love and care. God, I pray that you would stir within us dreams and visions, prophecies that would make us no longer silent about our salvation. God, I pray that the testimony that you have given us, the story of deliverance, the story where you have brought us from the miry clay, that you have lifted our feet to be able to stand on solid ground, that we would not let the rocks cry out for us any longer, but we would be a warrior that is willing to go to battle against all the things that this world is throwing at us, all the schemes of the enemy. God, our battle is against the powers and the principalities, against the evil one. God, I pray that we would be like Moses as he went up on the mountain and sat with you face to face to where his face was glowing because he was in your presence. God, we want to be in your presence, wrapped up in in your presence. God, I pray that through these these last two songs that this thin space between heaven and earth would become so small that we could reach out and touch you. That we could feel the warm embrace of a loving father. That we would hear the words of encouragement from a friend. that we would receive the words of rebuke for the things that we are doing wrong. 
and we would receive the words of encouragement for the things that we are doing well. God, I pray that your presence would be powerful and be imminent right here in this moment. We pray in your name. Amen.